They're ready to pot it up. Welcome, everybody, to the Friday Night Lights podcast. I'm Blake, your host, and with us today we have Russ. Hey. And Lyle. Hey, what's going on? Everybody sounds excited about this uh, <laughs> about this week, but uh, we've seen that we've shifted into some very dramatic uh, gears. Things are getting a lot more gritty here in Dillon, Texas, it seems. Um, episode 10, I Can't, here in season four, uh, centered around Becky's situation that we were introduced to uh, the last week or so, and what would she do or would she not do with, with her pregnancy, and then there's still a lot of other things happening within the within the episode, and we're excited about I'm being able to talk through those, but uh, we also are excited about an interview we were able to do. Uh, we were able to sit down, Pat and I were, and talk with D.W. Moffitt, who plays Joe McCoy. Uh, Joe came into the series last uh, year and had, um, I think everybody's excited to see what his character is going to be with the new quarterback and the dad and the rich family and all that. And um, I think Joe has become somebody that everybody loves to hate and has ex- extracted a lot of uh, drama and at the same a lot of emotion from for many people so here is the interview with D.W. Moffat known as Joe McCoy well here we are now with D.W. Moffat who plays Joe McCoy um, everybody's favorite new addition to uh, Dillon Texas how are you doing D.W.? I'm, I'm very good and I'm really glad to be everybody's favorite new addition <laughs> it, uh, you definitely brought in season three, especially uh, a new flavor to the town. And I think at first when we saw Joe McCoy and Katie and, and obviously with JD coming into town, everybody was wondering what was going to happen there. But I don't think anybody was prepared for the, the drama, the intensity, and the, I guess the overall uh, plot lines that, that Joe McCoy and his family brought to Dylan. Well, you know, it's so funny. Um, there's always this kind of, cliche in Hollywood that actors tell these stories where I took this part and it was only supposed to be for a week and then that person winds up being on the show for 10 years and it's the best part of his life. I don't know if I'll be on the show for 10 years, but uh, this is certainly an example of a show where I loved the show. I'm very, um, I've been following it since the beginning. Um, I know a couple of the people on the show, and when they asked me to come and do, I think initially it was two to four episodes, I was like, great, I love Austin, I love Austin, I can't wait to get down there, and, um, and then as things started percolating, one of the executive producers came to me and said, you know, we really want you to stay on for the whole season. You're not going to believe what happens. So I, w- I was like, okay, I'm down. I'm good sure. to go. So did you, did you know ahead of time, once they said you were going to be sticking around, did you know the turmoil that, I guess, within the football program and with the, the conflict between the McCoys and the Taylors, did you envision any of that coming on, even after they said, let's stay on for the rest of the season? Uh, no, and n- nobody does. Kind of the, the funny thing about that show is that you'll be in the makeup trailer and it will be, you'll be shooting, let's say, episode 10 and you'll be midway through episode 10 and every one of the makeup trailers going, gosh, I wonder what's going to happen in 11. Wow. 
I wonder what's going to happen. Are you going to do something to him or is he going to do something? Or what do you think? Is he going to run away or, you know, are you going to go to jail? I mean, no one knows. So that's, you know, we're not, we're not that much ahead of the game than you all are. <laughs> okay. Do you think that's intentional? Like the, on the writer's part to keep the actors, you know, fresh and in the scenes as much as possible? Or do you think that's just the nature of the show evolving quickly? I think it's the nature of television in that by the time a script gets through studio note studio notes network notes final rewrites right. they are they are right up against the deadline now that being said um we've also been told a couple of times like when we finish shooting a season and it hasn't aired yet, you know, please don't tell people what happens. Um, but in general, um, it's not like they've got these scripts finished two weeks ahead of time and they're keeping it secret from us. Um, you know, I think they're, we're seeing them probably, uh, 12 hours after, you know, enough time for the Xerox machines to finish, you know, (laughs) Well, DW, I know that you got your start in theater, um, and I'm, but how, I was going to ask, how does your training and experience in theater and on stage, how does it mesh with the unique style of, of shooting that everybody knows Friday Night Light has crafted and, and a lot of people actually copy now with a lot more freer, looser um, sort of structure there where people have freedom to ad-lib some of their scenes and add their own personality? Does your training in theater translate into that well, or is it kind of butt heads? No, that's an excellent question, um, and very, very much to the point of that show. Something that I often talk about when people in meetings in LA, people are say, you know, how's the show? What's it like? Blah blah blah. I always say that you know, thank God I spent the first six years of my professional life on stage exclusively um, because it serves me well. And I bet if you ever get an opportunity to chat with Linda Lowy, who is the casting director of this show, and you asked her the same question, I would bet you she would tell you that she looks for people with theater backgrounds because okay. I, I pity the person who shows up on that set who doesn't have that background um, or at least some kind of training in that arena because it is – it's fast and furious. There is – there's no net and you are up on the high wire. And if you can't go with the flow and improv and, um, you know, for example, um, Kyle is famous for cutting huge chunks of dialogue. Uh Right, right, right on the day. Like you'll be learning (laughs) your lines, you're learning your lines and Kyle has to say something like, well, Joe, if I'd ever been that kind of father, I would never have been a coach. And furthermore, if I ever see you, da, 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 da. Uh-huh. and so I'll say my line and Kyle's supposed to say that big paragraph and Kyle will just go, uh-huh. <laughs> and so you got to go, you got to go, you got to jump. Um, uh, the last example I'll give you is the first scene I shot on that show Uh 
was the scene where I walk in with uh, tequila and the cigars in Kyle's office. When my character was first introduced, I had that long scene with Kyle where I basically tell him we moved we moved to have him coach my son. Right. And I tell and I tell him my son's the second coming. And it was a big, big, big chunk of dialogue. And, you know, it's your first day. You don't know anybody. Um, so I'm halfway through this big monologue. And I, I went up. I didn't know what the heck I was supposed to do next. So I said, I'm up. I'm up. Uh-huh. Hello. I'm up. And I hear from behind the wall the director screaming, just keep talking. You'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, and that's just, you know, and like no one ever, like on other shows, if an actor goes up or, you know, they don't like how it's going, they'll say, uh, can we stop here, please? Can we just stop and start over again? That, that never happens on Friday Night Lights. Wow. Do you like that, though? I, mean, I do like yeah. I do like that because very often one actor's perception of a scene is not necessarily the correct perception. Gotcha. You know, uh, some somebody might think, "Oh, I messed up that line," but in fact, it's the best take you've done. So if they stop the scene, your performance gets truncated. Yeah, it's kind of the floor. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I like, I love, I love the way they shoot that show. I love the way they, and, and you're right. You're very correct in noting that a, a lot of other shows are starting to adopt, if not the entire format, pieces of it. I mean, you have to have a lot of guts to shoot that show the way they do, because basically they are, they are relying very, very much on the professionalism of their camera operators and the expertise of their editor. Uh-huh. And a lot, of, a lot of showrunners don't like to give up that much control. Wow. Um, but I think it's know. paid off. Oh, totally. Sure. I mean, what, what, I, what I always laugh about is when they talk about – and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying this to um, in any way, shape, or form denigrate the writing. I love the writing on the show. But there is a great degree of improvisation and cutting as we shoot. So when they always go, oh, the script, the script is so crafted. It's so beautiful. I I laugh. I giggle because a lot of that, quote, unquote, writing, the end product is more a result of how the show is shot than what's actually written on the page. Um, how much do we actually get to see of what's shot? Because I know oftentimes I've heard that there have been scenes between actors or, or even, you know, bigger scenes. And, but we, as television viewers, never actually get to watch it. How much do you think actually gets left on the cutting room floor and never makes it past the editor? Well, the difference in television and film is that in television, you're going to see the scenes in the script. In film, they will shoot whole storylines that you never see. In television, you're going to see the scenes that were supposed to have been shot. You just might not see every angle of coverage. You might not see every cutaway shot. But, for instance, um, they're not going to shoot uh, 
if if Kyle's at a gas station and gets in a fight with somebody, um, you will see some version of that scene. It's not like they're going to shoot that and then not show it. Okay. Or 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 if that happens, it's extremely rare. That being said, the style of the shooting of that show, you know, they shoot three cameras all the time. There's going to be a lot on the cutting room floor, but it's going to be, you know, the camera drifting from my hand to my face. They may not use that shot. Gotcha. But but they will use some version of that, and they will, you know, they will... Um, they will show you that scene. Just I don't know what coverage they'll use. The, one of the scenes that I think was one of your most striking, to, or you've had a lot, to be honest, but I think it was one of the uh, episode maybe 12 of uh, season three when you and mm-hmm. J.D. got into the altercation in the rain mm-hmm. in Applebee's yeah. parking lot. And yeah. I, I was going to say, you work on the Jeremy Sumter. How was it, the two of y'all together, y'all's relationship, A, and then B, how intense was that scene to actually film? Uh, Jeremy is a... He's a sweet kid, and it's very easy. It was very easy for me to um, visualize him as as being my son. My my daughter is twelve, Jeremy's nineteen, or at the time might have been eighteen, or maybe he was nineteen. So, and and he's a young nineteen, um, and I mean that in a good way. He's um, he's very. There's a lot of boyishness about him, and I think that that's what makes him appealing. And he was a delight to work with. Um, that scene, I've never, I've never shot a fight scene where there was not some degree of choreography, fight, fight choreography. Uh-huh. And, and the, the director, you know, it was Michael Waxman who directed that episode. And he, was, he turned the rainbirds on. He said, Jeremy's going to be here. You're going to be there. And I said, well, do I how do we hit each other or how do I hit him? And he was said, he said, just hit him. (laughs) And I meant, well, I don't want to hit him. He goes, well, you know, just, you know how to do stage combat. So do stage combat. So I said, okay. So basically in in a stage slap, you kind of, you, you slap somebody, but you slap them kind of like you slap them with the camera behind you so that it looks like he's being slapped. All right. Well, they've got three cameras. They're covering everything. So it, it, it looked really fake. So the second take, he just goes, just go for it. I said, Jeremy, I'm, I'm coming at you, man. He goes, that's cool. So, <laughs> so, so what you saw broadcast was me slapping the shit out of Jeremy Sumter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, in fact, in fact, you can hear it. If you actually look at that scene again, you can hear it. That is not foley that is not added in. That's me smacking him, smacking him. Yeah, and you slammed wow. him up against the back of that. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. A few we uh, too. well, we the, we caused about a thousand dollars worth of damage on that car. Oh, God. Because I, I basically, I think we put we put a dent in the car like when I sma- when I I threw him up against the car, um, which the owner of the car was very proud of. He he loved the fact. <laughs> I bet. He got to go into the body shop and say, "Hey, man." Uh, you know that fight scene you saw? That was my car, or whatever. I mean, he, you know, he was very proud of the fight. He wasn't pissed off at all. But um, yeah, that was that. That was real, man. That was, um, and you know, you can't do like on stage. You can't do that because right. you, you know someone wind up with their jaw broken, or you know, if, if let me put it this way, if I had hit him with a closed fist, 
which we decided not to do. Good move. If, if yeah, yeah. If I had had to hit him with a closed fist, we obviously couldn't have done it that way because right. I could have I could have broken his nose or worse. So because it was more of a slap down, they just kind of said, "Go for it." And Jeremy was a real trooper, man. I think he did get a little bloodied up, but he he was a real trooper. He kind of, it's an he awesome got, story. He took one for the team. Well, yeah, yeah, and he's so crazy. He was like, "Yeah, man, that was great, man. Man, you, man, you nailed me, man." <laughs> oh yeah, he was. He was really. Hey, he, hey, DW, I got a question. I know that sure. one of the things that you you bring to the show that is is not uh, is is unique is that there there are very few just really kind of bad characters right now as far as just just people that that don't have a whole lot of redeeming qualities to them which which adds a great deal of tension to the show uh mm-hmm. have you gotten a backlash from many fans have you have you been reacted to differently as just as as a person uh because of that i uh, listen i i don't think anyone in america or hollywood no one loves anything more than a bad guy <laughs> and it's like you know um just to just to be a total bad guy is so much fun and to be able to you know and and people also you know they enjoy it when you when you pull it off um you know the the thing about doing a bad guy is you can't ever think you're doing a bad guy you know as far as i'm concerned when i'm joe mccoy i'm the best father there is i'm doing the best for the team that can possibly be done yeah. and and everyone else is incompetent right. and and that's that's how you have to think and my my the only backlash i've had is that i when i go into an audition a lot all they want to talk about is friday night lights <laughs> and joe, and joe mccoy uh, well, when that's all good well last last question dw do you know what it is that motivates joe with his passion for a excellence and then puts the pressure on his son so much to excel on the football field. Do, you, do they give you a backstory? Or have you crafted one in your own head of uh, what drives him? I mean, I haven't really crafted one beyond the fact that, you know, I'm a father and I have to catch myself sometimes um, wanting, you know, driving my kids or wanting my kids to do this or that. And I think it is, um, I mean, if, if I had to look at it like on a therapy level, you know, I think that it's, it's vanity, you know, the the parent wants the child to reflect on on him or her. And if your vanity is unchecked, which Joe's kind of is, then your ambition for your child is unchecked. And if you are an angry, deeply angry person like Joe is, then that kind of unchecked ambition for your child can result in some pretty um, abusive behavior. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we appreciate it so much, DW, and we'd like to remind everybody that they can actually follow you on Twitter. Uh, DW is very interactive with his fans. His, uh, his Twitter name is DW Moffitt. Um, pretty self-explanatory. But again, DW, thank you for your availability and look forward to seeing more of Joe McCoy uh, in upcoming Friday Night Lights episodes. My pleasure, guys. Anytime you want to chat, just let me know. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Take care. We do thank DW for being able to be with us and um, look forward to hopefully being able to have a follow-up interview with him as the season wraps up in a matter of matter of weeks now. Can you believe there's only three more episodes left? That's kind of crazy to me. I was thinking about that last night because I, I was looking at the 
I was watching the preview for episode 11, and I was like, there's really only three left. It's wrapping They're up quickly. We're going to squeeze in a lot of football in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, we've seen like maybe four games, maybe. Um, of course, we know it's going to end up with the big battle, the showdown between the Panthers. Football will make everything all right. <laughs> Everybody loves football. They do. Yes, sir, Mr. Street. But what did, uh, you know, last week we talked about the pregnancy and would network television, would they go there? Would they try to show that on on there being an actual abortion or would there be some easy out? Were y'all kind of expecting about wh- how things are going and how, how they would end up? I'm I'm mad because Lyle has been right twice. He was <laughs> he was right about Becky and Tim, and he was also right about um, Vince. Yeah, well, no, I knew about Vince, but uh, the last week we were talking about whether or not they would show, a, um, you know, they would have her go through with an abortion or whatever. But um, I didn't think they would. And I was wrong. Yeah, even there towards the end, I was thinking that she was about to uh, to change her mind. That she was feeling the pressure from her mom, obviously, that Becky was. But um, I was kind of surprised. I was actually surprised with how her mom responded. I would have thought there would have been more compassion and more understanding there. Yeah, her mom seems kind of like a jerk. I, I was not pleased with her. I guess you think if somebody would understand that situation, it would be you know. Her with her own daughter. Agreed. If there's anybody who's understanding in town, it's Tammy Taylor. So they went to the right place. And yeah. at three o'clock in the morning or something like that. Twice. Yep. Uh, do they ever get any sleep? Like they just have random people knocking on the door all the time. Either that or he's hung over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric's been drinking a little more in I mean, season four than he has previous previous years. Okay. Uh, he couldn't even remember where his car was. I was uh, I was hoping for because I've been watching the first couple episodes of season one again, and I was hoping for a cameo by Smash's mom because she makes that comment to Tyra in the first first couple episodes where she's like, "I work at Planned Parenthood. I'll be seeing you, you soon. You see me one day. You probably see me there one day." I was like, "That'd be nice if we had a little cameo by Smash's mom, Karina Williams. That's her. Uh, that's his mama's name." Smash it doesn't matter. Mom. She will always be referred to me as Smash's mom. Or Mama Smash. I Man, I got to tell you. <laughs> Mama Smash. I was, Mama. Uh, I was depressed uh, because I watched The Hurt Locker last night, and which is pretty depressing. And then I watched this episode this morning, which was also fairly depressing, I thought. The Hurt Locker actually has Kate from Lost in it, though. Is it a good movie? I heard it's really intense. Uh, yes, it's very intense. But it's good, yeah. But look at the kids there in Dylan, and we've talked about before who has a, a good life and who doesn't. But it seems like so many of these kids are almost having to take care of themselves and raise themselves. I mean, you see Becky, whose mom is either working two jobs or hanging out with some dude somewhere, and so she's pretty much been suffering a lot. You got Vince, who seems to be raising himself and his mom, trying to to keep her clean as much as he's he's able to. Um, you got Matt who had to take care of his grandmother with dementia because his mom and dad weren't there. He got 10. So it seems like all these kids are having to be self-reliant and they're not doing a perfect job, obviously, and it's creating a lot of cracks and, and fissures within, within their stability of life. And it's, 
I don't know. I think there's been a lot of light moments before, but it seems like everything is like you just said, Russ, almost to a depressing feel with it. I'm ready for some light moments. I mean, you saw Virgil having a turnaround of sorts there and having fun at his son's football game. But other than that, it seems like everything's just going to crap. Yeah. Well, um, and by the way, I guess I, I said last week that I thought his name was Vernon and it actually is Virgil. So I've been wrong all, all around, but um, yeah, he seems to have come away really um, come around really quickly in the two episode arc, you know? Right. I like, I'm digging Virgil. I like his whole thing. Like, He's an assistant coach. Yes, at least an advisor. I don't know. Yeah. I, I can see that. I love that conversation between him and coach in the bar because you know how it's the first time we'd ever seen, because every coach I know that's even successful or not has been totally arrogant about their ability to coach. And it just seems like, if anybody's questioning his coaching ability that he just even you know when he he went over and talked to Vince during practice, like he showed his hands shaking, like he was he was embarrassed to admit that he was uh that he was wrong or right. whatever. Well I, I thought, like that. I thought that conversation was about to get pretty heated when you know, because Eric kept saying, You mean because he's black, you don't think I can coach him because he's black and everything and Vir- Virgil kept saying, you know, it's not, a, it's not a race thing. It's because, you know, do you know what it's like to be the m- most talented person on the field and everybody else tries to tell you what you should be doing instead of what you know? And it sounds like he was obviously speaking from, from ex- experience himself. But uh, I thought it was about to get heated in an argument, and then Eric goes, you know, give me another order of whatever. Like he's ordering more <laughs> drinks. Like we're not going anywhere. We're, we're sticking out. So you could tell there's still the, the camaraderie that they've been able to be able to speak their mind and be blunt but at the same time not get offensive. I think those two are, are basically the same person. They got people knocking on their door in the middle of the night looking for help. Yep. They're, they're both former players. They both work hard. And they don't. there's like no nonsense attitude about both of them. So I didn't think they'd get into a big argument about race or anything. I think those are two guys who can like shoot straight and not get mad at each other. I could see them being really tight on that show. Didn't uh, didn't they say that Virgil, the the guys in the stands, that he used to be the quarterback? Yeah. Whatever. I was thinking about that. He's like the Warren Moon of Texas high school football. Yeah, because they won the state title in what it was eighty early eighties eighty three eighty three. Yeah. I'm just I'm just sad because they call him Big Mary. I wonder if they if they would call him Mary Mary in like the late eighties. Why you bugging? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he could be an assistant and only show up like once every two weeks. Riggins does it. Yeah. I don't think Riggins is a part of the team anymore. It doesn't seem. Or Landry. We didn't see Landry at all on the field or off this time. He got zero screen time. I noticed that. Or Buddy. Uh-huh. That's why it was so such a not that light episode. It was kind of depressing. You got to throw Landry in there and you got to have Riggins making jokes. Riggins was making no jokes. The only time he was halfway seemingly like he was trying to crack some jokes when Billy was trying to get rid of those those car skeletons, the bodies of those cars, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to strap it on my back and swim out into the lake. Yeah. But how, well, that's as good of an idea as digging a hole with a shovel golly. to bury a cars. <laughs> it would take me and 12 of my friends a week to do that. 
how, how does that happen? That's what I was wondering. I was like, it, that's why um, Tim is smarter than Billy. Because that's a ridiculous, dumb idea. Throw it in the what? lake, dump it off a cliff, or bury it. Those are the three ideas we have. Weren't you at least expecting him to have a backhoe out there or something? <laughs> yeah. When it actually showed them with their hands, I was like, oh, this is absurd. <laughs> Why don't they just get a rock and dig down with a rock like they're on Survivor or something? Get a little spade. Uh, um, uh, how, I, how much money do you think they've made? I don't know. Apparently, it's like hitting the freaking lottery. It's money everywhere. I wonder, you think Tim's going to go buy that land for he and Skeeter? Yeah. That's what it looks like from the previews for next week. Yeah. Yeah, that goofy oh. grin on his face. Vince. Um, Vince one, should have transferred. Oh, no, go ahead. I said Vince should have apparently transitioned in the chop shop business <laughs> to put his mom in rehab because that would have been <laughs> a little a more fa- safer. fairly proper, profitable. And probably safer venture. Than it seems <laughs> like he didn't have to have a gun. You know, I, I felt <laughs> sorry for Vince, you know, as he was – He's trying to do best by his mom and keep her straight as much as he can, but then he realizes that he can't get money. He de- he can't get in advance. He can't borrow the money from his from his boss. Um, and so he's in that juxtaposition where he's almost willing to sacrifice himself now for a chance for his mom to get clean. Um, and now he's going back being, to Calvin. They're, they're being overtly political with health care. At this point, in one season, they've had two characters turn to crime over health care. <laughs> that is way over politicizing the thing. Don't tell me that's a coincidence in the year when they're trying to push health care through. Uh-huh. But is rehab, yeah, is rehab health care, though? Would that fall under the same umbrella? Well, it's like government well, funded said, versus. They said okay. the public facility was, was too full, that they didn't, you know, like they don't have the funds, so the you, you've got to go private. Mm-hmm. I can um, see that. Uh, I mean, can we not have a character who gets it and like somebody just takes an extra job or something? I mean, <laughs> most people aren't in a position to turn to crime. Like, <laughs> Vince got four thousand dollars like instantly. If I wanted to just be a criminal, I wouldn't even know how to go about it to make four thousand dollars in a day. Are you friends with Calvin Brown? Oh. I know a lot of kids like him. <laughs> Good point. Um, yeah, how how obvious when he pulled the envelope of cash out? I was like, I guarantee you, in less than fifteen seconds, we see Calvin Brown, and of course, was that an armored car? He walks car? out to the car. That like an armored car too. That wasn't like your normal gangster ride. I think, I think it was from Spy Hunter. <laughs> That's what it looked like. You could bump cars or yeah, motorcycles. It looked like part of the presidential motorcade. I know. It looked, it did. How, I mean, seriously, too. It's those two guys in that car sitting outside a rehab facility. Like, that doesn't look a little bit suspicious. A little bit of shadiness there, for sure. You know how we've been talking about, like, how how poor is Dylan or how crime-ridden or whatever? Um, apparently, it's pretty poverty-stricken since the Habitat guy goes from – West Africa <laughs> to Central America to Dillon, Texas. Yeah. On his helping the poor tour. And then to Arizona next. Yeah. Yeah. Arizona. Oh, it's beautiful there. It's sad to see you be going. Uh, Eric had a lot of uh, little 
I guess the one-liners he had in there, they are lighthearted, but they're definitely double meanings. Oh, about the when he's asking him, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish with the whole with the guy being like, so it's supposed to rain Friday. Is, <laughs> is that weird? Like, How do you mean? Yeah, you can tell. I Julie. thought he was gonna say that you know, will y'all play in the rain? And then that was just gonna set coach off. Coach off. And be like, of course you play football in the rain. <laughs> I think that's what he was meaning. Like y'all. Was wait. that what he was getting at? I think yeah. he was. And then finally, Eric just said, "Yep, it's gonna be weird." <laughs> <laughs> a little smart like look on his face. Uh-huh. Along those lines, were you seeing that that? Julie may end up skipping out of going to school, to college at least up in the Northeast. I don't know if she's going to go chasing habitat, you know, happiness everywhere. But at the same time, I can see that she's not necessarily wanting out of Dylan as much as she initially had. Lord, I hope she gets uh, out of Dylan. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine spoiled Julie in West Africa. <laughs> I don't know. But could you imagine her in, in going to Arizona or New Mexico or somewhere a few states away? Yeah. It just seems like she it seems like she wants to get out of Dylan, not to like to be part of more of a cosmopolitan lifestyle rather than to go Alma Freeze. Help people or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. How much more cosmopolitan do you want it? They have a gay bar. <laughs> they have a lot of bars. Obviously, yeah. they weren't sure which one that Eric had been at the night before. Um, back back to Riggins real quick because we were talking about them digging that hole. Is it clear to y'all that his Canadian accent is coming in very very thick? Now and that then. whole scene, I was like, man, he sounds like a Canadian. It seems like he would get his Texas accent by now, down by now. They're talking they were digging the hole out there in the middle of nowhere. He kept talking yeah. about the, the, Chop um, Shop does not that, those words <laughs> do not come out of his mouth like a like a Texas Southerner. They come out. He could not be more clearly Canadian unless he was. I never noticed. Right. Really? I really don't. No, I don't. I, I notice more when they go over the top with the Southern accent. Like it's stretching it yeah. too far. That, yeah, that, well, that's what always drives me crazy in every movie. It's when, like, somebody who's not from the South uses you all or says y'all in a singular, like talking to one person, y'all need some ice. <laughs> like Allison Eastwood does in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. I cringe every time she says it. Yeah. Do you think, though, that with the Riggins brothers that they're pulling together, it seems like, you know, that Tim was – Kind of forcing the issue. Look, we're out. We're done. We've made enough. We, we've had plenty of money, more more than we expected. So it's time. You know, the heat's about to get pretty heavy on us and all. And then uh, Billy, he you know agreed to it. And he was like, okay. And Tim said, so we know. Oh, and one other thing, make me partner. And so it looks like they're both on even ground. They're both wanting to be. You know, so I, I hope. Hopefully, that's the the two of them. I'd say the three of them, if you include Mindy I mean, uh, in there but are being able to pull together. But do you, or you think that Billy's really wanting to say yes to that, or is he just making excuses for now? I don't know, but that's how law firms decide who's going to be a partner, too. Dig a hole. They're out digging holes. They're just like, I want to be a partner. All right. <laughs> they seem kind of like an old married couple. 
I, I oh, okay. if, if we know that Riggins is leaving the show, it, it appeared he was for the previews for next week or whatever, he was going to buy that land that he wanted. How are they going to make it realistic to write him off the show if he lives in Dillon? Yeah, unless he goes to jail or something. <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> goes to Shawshank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he's just one of those guys that disappears and nobody sees him. Surely they can't write him to to go somewhere besides Dylan. You know, you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it if he went to jail because every character that's left is at a happy ending and they're leaving. Right. Life doesn't turn out like that for everybody. Well, I think the intention is for him to be around at for a couple of episodes or interspersed episodes next season, um, which they actually don't start filming. You know, they start filming here in the middle of 2010, and so it's not too far away anyway. But. uh He's not going to be one of the main characters like he is now, obviously. So I don't know if he'd just pop up. Oh yeah, you know, somebody, somebody goes and Becky goes and visits him in jail. I don't know if that's how they would try See to work him picking that. Picking up trash on the side of the road, something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they'll have a longest yard thing, and the inmates will play against the <laughs> Dylan Panthers or whatever. Bring back Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah. No, Burt Reynolds. That, I'm about I to know. say that does not count as the <laughs> longest <know>. yard. <laughs> Uh, gridiron gang. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what direction they'll go with Riggins. I could see them doing a bad ending. Well, I don't know. He's too beloved by everybody to make – people would be pissed off so bad if yeah. they made some bad ending for Riggins. Yeah. There would be a little bit of a revolt. They've surprised me before, though. I mean, even like with the Becky stuff and, and the Luke stuff. You see Luke is still limping, and so obviously he's – his hip isn't completely healed, and you know we've made reference to next week's previews where it's still creating some issues for him, his injury from before. Um, but you know we've, we've talked about Luke as a character and, and how we've endeared ourselves to him. I thought it was really odd the comment that his mom made, like you know Mary and Joseph were in the same type of predicament, and they made it okay. Um, that seemed too wooden. That may have been on purpose, but that seemed too wooden or too forced that that conversation with his mom um, but he's right he says well mom and i mom becky and i are not are not mary and joseph um obviously. i i thought that they did i thought they did a better job of um portraying i guess christian culture in season two when lila became a christian and then tim pretended to be a christian so he could make out with her right because i don't know that that seemed a little bit more – maybe his parents are just supposed to be like these over-the-top, really strict, conservative, uh-huh. religious types. But I didn't like that either. But apparently, I, I guess they are if, according to the previews, they're making a big stink about it. Sure. I can live with them trying to make some kind of point from the Bible or something about it. But Mary and Joseph. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. But maybe maybe your son is, you know, like Jesus. Maybe he's gonna be the central figure of a major world religion. <laughs> I mean, I don't that was a that was a stretch to me. I also think Mary and Joseph met at a convenience store and Joseph bought Mary some beer after, <laughs> after he played paintball in the parking lot with his, you know, jerk friend. Um, those parallels didn't quite match up. Yeah. <laughs> We're not Mary and Joseph, Mom. Uh, yeah, it, it just seemed. Yeah, it made it, his parents seem like very wooden, uneducated characters, at least. Right. 
And that, well, that I mean, they do me. want their son to skip school to build a fence, so maybe they are <laughs> uneducated. Right. Maybe, yeah. And what did y'all think of Jess and her when she talked to her dad? It was after uh, Vince had come by to see, to see Virgil about getting some money and how he ended up telling Vince, I'm proud of you. You're trying to do right by yourself and by your mom, and I believe in you. And then here's here's Jess hearing that and basically throwing it back in his face, you know, why don't you believe in us? You know, my brothers, you know, and me, we try to make you proud and you don't even come to their games. I never, that kind of blindsided me because I didn't think they'd ever set up that storyline before that he didn't participate in their life. I'd heard before that he never, that she had said something, but he, remember, because remember at one time outside of the uh, barbecue place, she said something like, why don't you ever come to, you know, I can't remember her his brother's games. name. Yeah, whatever brother's name is. Why don't you ever come to his games? He would love for you to come. You know, and that was when he was like, I don't want nothing to do with football with that kind of attitude there. It, the thing is, is for I, – I guess they had established the fact that the reason he did that is because he hated football so much. And then I, I don't – I don't understand what the deal with that is. Right. Because he hated football for so long that he wouldn't go to his kids' games, and now all of a sudden, okay, I like it. Uh, something They must reveal that something happened to him along the way, because obviously he was very good if he was the quarterback on the state championship team and the most athletic guy on the team, and now he runs a barbecue place. Well, does it make well, you wonder? I mean, I, that, that would be my dream come true. I would love to run a barbecue place. <laughs> well, does it make you well, wonder? Maybe he wanted to pick the NFL. Some of the same things that that happened with Vince – or it's happening possibly with Vince, where the coach is trying to tell you what type of player you are, what you have to do, how you're supposed to do it, um, and instead of letting him be his own his own person, um, if that took all the fun out of it, because you know that's what he ended up telling his son out there. He says, you know, make sure you have fun, and made a point to say that, you know, play it as a game, not as something that puts pressure on you. So it seems like it ended up being a big burden on him. And I saw where uh, someone had, had brought up the point that. You know, back in '83, there probably weren't a lot of uh, uh, black high school quarterbacks at that mm-hmm. point in high school, at least. And so, would would there have been pressures to try to make him into a different kind of player, or if he was more of a what we see now as you know the wildcat, or or you know all these option things that that are a little more dynamic? If but they're trying to make him more of a stand in the pocket, throw the ball. Thing. I was wondering if he just got burned overall from football because of the pressures and the people trying to make him into something versus who he really was. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense to me. I mean, I, we haven't seen his, his wife, Jess's mom. I was thinking that maybe she, like, died in a freak football accident, and that's why he hated football. But you're no, 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 no. Calvin Brown murdered her. You <laughs> that out yet? I thought that was obvious. Speaking of history, I still want to know what the history with Vince is because, you know, Jess made the point, you know, that you've been telling me to stay away from him for the last three years. So they're working on year four of some history there. It would have been like 13 or 14 or something. I know. Um, Doesn't it, doesn't it, (laughs) maybe even like 11 or 12? Because, you know, they they could just be 15 years old right now. I've yet to see Jess or Vince drive, so – or in class. <laughs> yeah. I mean, class. we don't we haven't seen anybody go to class except I think we saw Julie 
in class. Although uh, she is a part of the academic SmackDown, she brought the SmackDown team up. Um, yeah. That he's never come to watch her. But uh, yeah, but who could blame him for that? <laughs> I don't think very many other people were there at this either. So you never come to my academic SmackDown, Dad. <laughs> The football, good. I go to the football games. Hey, I understand that, but the academic SmackDown, come on. Yeah. They sell popcorn. I love how there's a the large contingent of people at practice now. There's like four or five guys all, you know, watching practice. It's the boosters. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm because a fan you... of those boosters. I'm a fan of the new school boosters. <laughs> they, don't, they don't really meddle at all. They just kind of sit there and, and I like that. I like those guys. Do most high school football teams practice on their actual game field? Any ones I know about don't. No, but I bet that they don't have a practice field. They had a raccoon in the locker room the first day of practice. <laughs> yeah, good, good point. And that, um, you know, I think we talked about that early on. <clears throat> but that that bothered me too. Where you know he's showing up for two days, and that's the first time he's taking the padlock off of the um, field house door. <laughs> Yeah, I hey, just, you know what I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need a barber shop where all those guys <laughs> hang out, and I want coach to start getting his hair cut there, and then sit around talking about football. You haven't seen That's the barber shop. You, you saw yeah, Vince and Calvin were there. Oh, there was one episode where they're there. That's right. That's right. Well, I need all the boosters there, and I need coach to start getting his hair cut there and talking to them. <laughs> um, it has to have the little candy cane stripe at the front door too. The barber pole. Yeah, um, there does need to be some sort uh, of central location for them to meet. The barbecue restaurant seems to be a place. Uh, I think it's Ray's right now. Yeah. It used to be Applebee's. No, uh, I like. I mean, Ray's. I just look at Ray's and I'm like, I want to eat at that place. I bet that place has <laughs> awesome barbecue. I would have <laughs> never gone to Applebee's if I was been in that town. You don't think? Uh, no. That looks like a great barbecue place. It really does. Not a lot of seating, but there is that outdoor seating, though, too. It's yeah, all, it, that's what you it's need. It's pretty authentic. So, like, um, Little Dewey's? They, they did a good job with the barbecue place. I'll give a set or wherever. I guess they found the – I guess it's a real place somewhere near Austin. I was about to say, do you think we'll ever find out who Ray is, or do you think that's just the name of the place in real life, and so they just kept it? I figure uh, Ray started it, like, 50 years ago. And uh, Virgil uh, just kept it up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it could be like a family-owned place or something like that. I will tell you this. You may not have ever gone to Applebee's, but you probably would have gotten large milkshakes from the Alamo Freeze because I bet oh, they have my good gosh. there. Yeah, I would have been to Alamo Freeze all the time just hoping that Lila Garrity would walk in. <laughs> well, a lot of the rally girls seem to go to Alamo Freeze too. Yeah. I wonder why Coach hasn't started a rally girl program for for his school yet. Uh, I think he'd rather have a practice field before he had rally girls. Yeah, he didn't want to distract. <laughs> so his, he didn't want girls to distract his players. Well, he saw what happened with Riggins. Yeah, he ended up going to Mexico and New York in the middle of the week. I will tell you this: it's possible that uh, if Law was really hungry, he would have broke the all-time. Uh, buying purchasing record at Alamo Freeze because I once saw him spend $11 at a drive-thru in Wendy's on himself. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a big deal now. Back then, that was like $25. Two whole yeah. large-size combo meals. It was like, yes, I would like a 
triple with cheese combo and a spicy chicken sandwich with cheese only. <laughs> Bowl of chili and a large frosty. Yeah, I think that could have been exactly what was ordered. Because <laughs> I enjoy all of those things. <laughs> oh. One thing we haven't talked about, so we did mention that, that they came by to talk with uh, with Tammy when Tim brought Becky by. But um, she seemed to be under a lot of pressure. And, and I, you know, the, the questions that she, Becky kept asking her, both the, her initial visit and then the secondary visit, about what would you do, what would you tell your own daughter, what – and so she had to, you know, fall back into. I wasn't sure if she was in her counselor mode or her mother mode there, but um, you know, I think you know people say what would Riggins do, and you've seen those T-shirts. But it seems like Riggins would just take you to see Tammy Taylor. Um, but I liked seeing her in that role. But when she woke up, Eric, in the middle of the morning, and she's sitting over there in the chair with with Gracie, and she's like, "What would you do if Julie was pregnant?" And he was like, "What? What are you talking about?" Um, but I thought there, were, you know, we we talked how heavy things have been, but still, those are some great moments with, with Tammy. Hmm. I thought they did a, they were very obvious, not for her to take a certain stance on any one issue. Right. Like she presented all three, and then it's just like, I have literature on that too. I, I, I thought that she leaned towards carrying the baby, and either a keeping it or b placing it for adoption, and then. Becky brought it up, but what if I don't want to carry, you know, what if I don't want to be pregnant? And then, she, then she's like, oh, well, as a third option, I have literature on that as well. That's why the previews kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I thought she was going to get an abortion all along. Yeah. I, I lean towards that, even with the title of the episode being I can't. And then I thought, well, I can't, because she said I can't have a baby. You know, and then I was thinking, but then at the end she goes, I can't go through with it or whatever. Um, you know, and, and Luke calls to be Mr. Supportive and she's like, ah, you know, I, I've already, I've already done it. It's, it's taken care of. Um, I was waiting for her to just chunk that phone, you know, out into the yard or something, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I thought that was the most realistic thing to happen. More than the whole being characters. dead. More than what? More. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I thought that was the most realistic option for Becky's character. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, Vince always also. You know, he also told his mom, "I can't do this by myself." Right. So it has again. They have a double meaning with the title of the episode. I thought it was just to lighten it up a little bit, man. It's every. It's only bad things that happen to these characters this season. Mm-hmm. What good has happened to anybody? Virgil. Landry got turning around. Landry got a girlfriend. I got to tell you this: they should run a two quarterback system at, at East Dillon because that that pass that Vince threw was the worst thing I've ever seen. That was the biggest oh, terrible pass. <laughs> Landry's was much better. Yes. Don't yeah. don't you love it though when um. When they're talking about when Tammy's telling Coach about the Becky coming over, and he says Tim Riggins brought some girl over, and he's like Tim Riggins is going to be a father. <laughs> like that was just the the worst thing ever. Well, you know, even she said that. Well, have y'all discussed your options? And he was like, Oh, and she goes, Tim's not the father. And he goes, I'm just her friend. <laughs> you know, but everybody automatically thought that it was it was going to be Tim's baby. 
Yeah. Oh, well, I can think of something worse than Tim Riggins being a father, and that's Billy Riggins being a father, and that's about to happen. <laughs> uh oh. At least he's married. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> well, yeah, he a... married a stripper after he knocked her up. <laughs> well, they've been together well, for what a while. What a fairy tale. <laughs> I was going to mention, though, about Vince. It was a, a really good acting job, I believe, by him when he's sitting there next to her in the in the hospital and he was saying you know why why don't you want to be with me why do you want to leave me you know putting it on her like that about how it seems that she's trying to leave and get away and i don't know if that's if that's him being honest if he doesn't understand the power of addiction or if that's just him saying you care about this this feeling this addiction this this drug more than you do about being with me being my mom Um, but michael b jordan did a fantastic job i thought with that scene yeah, I thought that was the best scene of the episode. I saw it as uh, him like being, I'm trying as hard as I can to get things straight. Why can't you do that too? You yeah. know? I'm 16, 17 trying to be the adult here. So, I, But I think that set up though his his turn back into, uh, you know, Calvin Brown and all those people. And that's, that's one of the things I wondered about Billy and the Chop Shop is – Calvin or his crew, whatever, whoever's the the head guy there, is he going to be okay with Billy and Tim saying, "Okay, we're not taking any more of your your you know ripped off cars to, to strip them"? How many cars can you steal in, in Dillon before you get caught? I mean, there's like a rash of car theft in a town that small. Would, but can't you steal them from around and bring them there? I guess so. I, did you think that uh, Coach's car had been stolen when I they did. could find it? <laughs> I really I did. I did too. I was convinced it was. when he, and I thought that the, with everything that's happened with the Explorer, with as much as we've talked about the Explorer, I, I was thought that we were going to have a serious, long conversation about that. <laughs> I was looking forward to the podcast when I saw that. <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, can you believe we predicted this like six weeks ago? <laughs> we've got three more, three more episodes. <laughs> Well, anyway, we've got uh, one very brief email, and this is from Alex. He's written into us once before, but he just said, good episode, a great performance by Michael B. Jordan. A lot of drama, but good drama. I thought it was about time Mrs. Taylor showed her guidance counselor side again. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Um, and that's one of the things we haven't seen is, is Tammy in guidance counselor mode in quite a while. Interesting, though, it comes from an East Dillon student instead of someone there at Dillon High. But um, I guess Tim remembers her as being his guidance counselor back his first, I guess his second year of high school that we saw season two. Well, that does it for, I believe, our recap of episode 10. We have um, a couple of interviews lined up. Uh, we thank DW for being able to uh, to be with us a part of this one, but there are a few we have lined up, both people in front of and behind camera uh, for the next few weeks. And um, like I said, we've got three more to go until it's all done, and we've got, it seems, a lot of stuff to pack in. Did anybody make any predictions over these next next three episodes? I don't know. Every time we predict something, it usually comes true. Last week we said Vince is going to have another turn to crime, and it happened this week. Uh, I don't know. Hey, let me ask you a question. This is kind of awesome. How old, do you know how old Michael B. Jordan is? In real life? 23. Yeah, yeah I think he's 23. So Michael Jordan was very, very super famous when he was born. Yes. I mean, you I, had a son, I, right? Would you name your son LeBron James right now? <laughs> LeBron F. James. <laughs> or, I mean, Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Or, I mean, isn't that odd that you would 
Well, no, Michael is a much more common name than Kobe and LeBron. But at the same time, I wouldn't name, you know, Peyton, Jeffrey Manning or anything either. So, Yeah, okay. Yeah. That just strikes me every time I see Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, if, I mean, luckily his last name is Jordan already. But knowing you have to be very specific with the B every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, surely he, had to, surely he did that for like the – the Screen Actors Guild or something right. like that, you know? So he wouldn't be known as Michael Jordan all the time. Yeah, people would think he was in Space Jam when they looked him up on IMDb. <laughs> get very confused. <laughs> He's in that time. movie, that basketball movie, with all the Looney Tunes. And Bill Murray. And who was the rapper that did the song for that? It ain't talking for me Quad to City DJs, wasn't it? No, it was... Uh... Uh, the same guy that goes, now that we found love. Oh, we heavy D. <laughs> heavy D and the boys. That's right. Oh, Lord. Back in the day. Uh, no, I don't I don't guess I have any predictions. Uh, I mean, from the previews, it looks like things are just going to go from bad to worse for everybody. And that makes me think that realistically we have two, maybe only one episode to get things back in order. Or at least on lighthearted, because you know they want to end on a note. That's I hope they want to end on a note that's going to be at least a feel good. Um, they didn't last year. Yeah. Well, I think it was. I, it felt good up until Eric got fired, and but then it still left that expectant new hope feel when they're hugging on the edge of the uh, of the of the East Dillon. I won't even call it a football field. Um, Do you think Tammy gets fired and they like stand outside East Dillon School? Like arm in arm, you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> this is where. <laughs> can there can there be a North Dillon? <laughs> Dude, she might get fired. That's possible. Judging from the previews, I don't know, she could go to work at uh, East. And we could just forget all about Dillon. Oh, I'd hate I'd hate that though. But yeah, well, legally, can't she? Like, anyway, you know more about yeah. this than we do, Lyle. But if if someone from a different school that you work with had come to you after hours and sought advice from you and whether whether they did or didn't take your advice specifically someone accused you of that it's it's not like it's not like becky's been under her authority before it was just because of a previous relationship with someone who's already graduated tim riggins that tim brought becky to her so i'm wondering legally is there a specific ramification where she could lose her job yeah legally no but it's all political because the superintendent is an elected position and if they start rallying Putting pressure on the superintendent, he'll get rid of anybody, and so he it's won't lose that job. Not in all districts. It's a it's an appointed position here. Is it? Yep. It wasn't Which where I, I work. But and if, if the voters started making noise about getting rid of a principal, they might get rid of them. Well, obviously, there's already a target on her back anyway because of what she did with the football team. But she won the yeah. blue ribbon, <laughs> or whatever, or whatever that was. Yeah. But it'd be yeah she. I would think she'd be really entrenched after bumping that school up academic-wise like she did. Yeah. I would think it'd be really hard to justify getting rid of her over something like that. And I mean, the, the parents of of Luke aren't even in that district. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They're probably going to make it a stretch. Somehow they'll make us buy into it like they do everything that's a stretch. Yeah. yeah. Well, even last week at first with the previews, I thought it was going to be Vince who had gotten – possibly shot and then he goes looking for tinker and i thought they were gonna find tinker and it ended up being like a 10 or 11 year old boy who was a no name we never knew who he was so 
they keep us guessing. But like I said, I hope that in the next two episodes, the last two episodes at least, that we have uh, some feel-good moments because I think everybody's pretty whipped right now, and it looks like next week is going to be another whipping. Well, I hope it's not the feel-good moment that we've been talking about. Yeah, that's going to be too cliche. Uh, if, if they beat Dylan, I don't know if I can deal with it. Well, see, the thing is, we don't really know how good Dylan is. Like, they could have gone into some sort of tailspin after Luke or something like that. I mean, uh, I, I, we all assumed that they're doing really well. but And we assumed that J.D. didn't play last week. I think they're setting it up for them to beat Dylan. J.D.'s going to be out. Tammy's going to get fired. And this is like the big revenge. Coach knocks him out of the playoffs after yeah. they fire his wife. That's my prediction. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking <laughs> predictions. If, if I could pick actual football games as well as I can front at lights, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. I will tell you this. Win or lose, that game is going to go down to the wire. It's going to be closer than the experts think, to quote Lee Corso. Closer than the experts think. I'm just ready to hear Slamming Sammy do some more football. I haven't heard him in so, a long while. If there's a big spread. <laughs> Definitely take East We know which way to bet. East Dillon plus the points. That's what I'm taking. Yeah. So, I'm, um, I'm ready to hear Slam and Sammy versus Willie Galt on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah y'all referenced Willie Galt a couple of weeks ago, uh, who was a Tennessee alum. I don't know why I thought I'd say that, just because I'm a Tennessee fan. Well, it's good to look back to the good times right now, Russ. Yeah, and dude, we just got Duly. we just got a coach who went seventeen and twenty at Louisiana Tech. You, I mean, you can't really beat that at all. Hey, but he's got his dad's genes. His dad's going to come run the program. He might as well won two national championships at Ohio State. Well, appreciate you. We'll, we'll go ahead and end the podcast. But yes, please, let's do. Uh, appreciate you guys. Look forward to feedback as always. You can email us fnlpodcast at gmail dot com. Leave comments on the website, or you can leave us a voicemail at 662-259-0185. Look forward to hearing from everybody soon, and look forward to the next three episodes. Thanks, guys. All right. Go Saints. Who dat? <laughs>